But where are you really from? A podcast about the Asian American struggle. Hey everyone, I'm Angela Lin, and I'm Jesse Lin, and welcome back to But Where Are You Really From? Today we have not one guest, but two guests. We have Anna and Ziad, very special guests that are joining us today. Hello and welcome. Hello, hello. Hello. Hey. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So we have both guests on today because we have a different kind of episode topic that we're covering today. Um, we're actually recording this uh, a few weeks in advance, but for those of you listening right now, it is the day before 9-11, 20 years actually after 9-11, if all of us can even believe that. It feels like eons ago and also like yesterday in a lot of ways. Um, so Jesse and I certainly didn't feel like we'd have the most direct or uh, most impacted perspective from what happened that day. So we wanted to bring on guests who can provide perspectives from the Arab American, Arab diaspora, whatever you want to call it, um, perspective. And that's why we have Anna and Ziad on. Um, before we go into any meaty stuff, though, we should introduce you guys, um, however you feel comfortable introducing yourselves and um, however you feel comfortable answering our standard guest question. But where are you really from? Okay, so hello, everyone. My full name is Andalusia Massad, but for the purposes of the podcast, just going by Anna. I am a speech language pathologist based in San Francisco. Uh, and my standard response to, but where am I really from, or just where are you from in general, is I'm Palestinian American, um, but I grew up pretty much my whole life in Dubai. Um, but genuinely, I don't really feel from a particular place uh, other than I feel very close to Palestine. Um, and I feel most comfortable living in America. And that's how I answer the question. Uh, first of all, I'd just like to start and say, I really like the name of your podcast, just because it's a question, where are you really from? That's something I've gotten my entire life and it always kind of leaves me befuddled, not knowing what to say. Like, uh, what do you mean, where am I from? To answer that question, the way I would answer it is, I'm, my name is Ziad Al-Sahili, I'm from Portland, Oregon. I originally, my ethnicity and my parents are both from Lebanon with one quarter Syrian. Um, and yeah, I'm of Middle Eastern Arab descent and I'm an American from Portland, Oregon. Love that. I know it's a, it's a funny question. And we, we also have guests and listeners that are like, that's a triggering question <laughs> like, <laughs> for it to be the name of your podcast. I mean, you guys have all heard that, right? Your whole lives. Like, where are you really from? Of where are you from? Yeah. Um, the most uncomfortable thing for me was like in college when I first, because I moved back to the States for undergrad um, and in groups of people, like my roommates knew where I was from and it was such a standard thing that like you'd be at a party and people would just say, where are you from? And my roommates would always like position it so that I was the last one to respond to the question. So they all were like, I'm from a town in Wisconsin, I'm from a town in Wisconsin. And then it got to me and they were like, like say the thing, Anna. Oh and <laughs> it always felt like a announcement. Uh -huh. <laughs> so it was never fun. Um, and Anna, I will be annoying and kind of force you to dissect a little bit more of your background only because it helps give context as to why we have two guests 
Okay, I will give, I'll just give like a quick lifespan overview. I was born in St. Louis. Um, my dad was finishing up his doctorate while I was there. Um, and like age zero until five, I was going between St. Louis and Turkey because he was doing research in Istanbul. So that's where I lived in the beginning of my life. And then he got his first job as a professor in Dubai in 1998. So we moved over there. And so all of my earliest memories up through graduating high school were in Dubai. So why do I sound American? Because I went to an American school. Most of our teachers were from Minnesota. Um, so I grew up in like a really American high school experience, but with all mainly expat people um, at my school. And then uh, when I graduated, high school uh, in 2011, I did undergrad in Wisconsin. And then um, once I was done with undergrad, I moved to uh, San Francisco. So before we get into the actual 9-11 uh, part of it, I think we should dissect a little bit the like root of what happened afterwards, which is kind of defining what Islamophobia is because I think for a lot of people and Jesse and I aren't we always see this we're not experts we don't know anything we're just like discussing the to the extent we know about anything right but um for me at like the highest level people who don't understand the concept much are just like oh it's about something around like terrorists and something around like brown people to like at a very high level right there's almost like a disconnect even from the fact that the word islam is like in the name islamophobia and it's more just based on looks of like especially there's signifiers right um that people often latch onto things like a turban mm -hmm. or just like any semblance to anything they've seen on tv during the like you know years of uh propaganda <laughs> that we were served i don't know it, i think for me it's like weird because it must have had an impact on you your community in terms of like i don't even necessarily identify with that but i'm getting the results of people's feelings about it so not to say you guys are experts necessarily on the definition of islamophobia but like how how have you seen that concept in terms of like what it actually means and like how it's reflected on on your community um angela i think you really kind of hit hit it for me when you said uh it's it extends beyond islam it's not just a muslim thing i think it's you know uh people being scared or suspicious of people who are muslim or arab or brown in general um it's definitely something that i would say is more phenotype dri driven rather than genotype driven which is their physical presentation rather than uh, where they're actually from i mean um people are afraid of brown people on an airplane people we've all heard the stories of uh, american people calling on their neighbors for suspicion of illegal terrorist activity where there was no base or any kind of evidence to suggest that um, to me, Islamophobia is a wide-ranging type of fear or dislike for anyone that is perceived to be Arab or Muslim, um, not just Arabs or Muslim people. Of course, the irony in that is like, not all Arabs are Muslim, not all Muslims are Arabs. There's actually, like, 
it's not that huge of an overlap when you think about those things. And literally all, almost all Arabs and Muslims are nothing to be scared of or whatever. So it's just, it's, it's not just Arabs and Muslims. That's the crazy part. It like, uh, I even had friends who have told me if they saw a man in a turban on an airplane, even if the man is not from the Middle East, uh, which they wouldn't be able to tell the difference between a man from India or a man from in their head from anywhere in the Middle East, some sense of fear comes over them. Uh, and that to me really spoke mm -hmm. to what Islamophobia is. And it's not Islam. It's just a phobia of people. It is kind of crazy town to me when I see like the news. Um, so even not even just talking about 9-11, but in the years after, right? I think the news has latched onto a lot of crazy things like mass shootings, which certainly have increased to some extent. But I don't know if it's as as frequent as the news makes it sound, but it's like every other day it feels like on the news I'm seeing something about some like extremist Islam related person who decided to like shoot up a whole place or do something or bomb something or whatever. And I know they're just technically reporting facts but for me, I'm like, I don't know. I think you need to think a little bit about the implication of like blasting this kind of over and over again and what other people who aren't interested enough to understand the difference between people who might look similar but aren't actually believing the same thing and aren't driven by the same things, like what the impact of it, this type of news is all the time on those communities because it's like, I can't help if you can't tell us apart but that we don't believe in the same stuff and like i'm not that kind of person but I, you know there's an impact on on me when there is a violent act which are all just terrible the way they report it um if it's an arab or a middle eastern person it is a terrorist and if it is not it is a troubled individual who has yes. mental health issues i think that's uh some islamophobia just built into the media just public perception and reporting right there. You know, when an act happens before they release who the, like the person is, there's always speculation about who it is. And there's, and it tends to be like the initial, and I, I hate going on message boards and whenever this kind of stuff happens, because you look at the comments and the first thing is like people saying, oh, for sure, it's a Muslim, for sure, it's an Arab, it's another extremist, blah, blah, blah. And like, that's where people's heads go to right away. Even though there's a lot of times where that's largely not the case. And um, it's very distressing to have to go through that every single time there's an act that happens before it's released. Like, well, what was the cause of it? Was it Islam related? Was it whatever related? The panic that goes through me and I know, you know, my close friends and, and our community is... Um, is really upsetting because it's like, oh my, is this another situation that's going to other us further um, in mainstream America and like confirm some biases for a lot of people um, that even if they're saying out loud that they, they're not Islamic phobic, blah, 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 like maybe in the back of their head, is this confirming something for people? And that's scary. Do you love ramen, Jesse? Oh my god, yes. Don't you hate the shitty instant ramen we have here in the States, though? Um, totally and completely. 
What if I could tell you that you could get premium instant ramen direct from Japan delivered straight to your door? Did you know that in Japan, instant ramen is actually legit? They put a lot of care into using high quality ingredients for the soup, the noodles, and <laughs> the toppings. But how do I get access to that when I live here? Well, bitch, you're in luck. We've teamed up with 5am Ramen, a business based out of Tokyo that is obsessed with all things ramen. They are offering premium curated sets of the best instant ramen in Japan to consumers worldwide. And with our special discount code, you'll get 5% off your order and free shipping worldwide. Just use ReallyFrom5 at checkout. Head over to instantramen.jp now and use our promo code ReallyFrom5. Oishi! Well, I think we're already digging into the impact of post 9-11 because I gander to think those types of unconscious bias didn't necessarily exist in people before that date. So I do want to zero in then on kind of the main uh, topic for today, which is reflecting on your personal experiences before and after this big day. Jesse and I can start with our perspective because it's the least like intimate. Um, and for me, I do remember it very distinctly. Um, I was in sixth grade at the time, and I think my teacher must have heard something big happen. So then she turned on the TV, and we all as a class watched that iconic image of the towers, you know, starting to have all the smoke and the aftermath. And in, in our community growing up, we had a lot of uh, Persian people, so from Iran. Um, and that's not the same type of people at all, but uh, almost immediately, it was like the same day or the day after, I distinctly remember being in the lunch cafeteria and one of the little brothers of one of the kids in my class, who's Persian, they're just like all these random heckler boys that were like, essentially like f you like why do you hate america like this is all your fault that those kinds of sentiments and i just remember thinking like what that makes no sense like this kid has nothing to do with what happened um and like as of 10 minutes ago you guys were friends you know it, it just like it was a very quick turning point um and i certainly couldn't process all of why that was happening or like how how bad and um disconnected that was at the time but thinking back on it it I remember that moment pretty clearly because I was like, oh, wow, things have changed very quickly. I actually remember that when I woke up before school, my mom told me it was, she was like, oh, come, you have to watch this thing on the TV. Like, it's nuts. And I was like, yeah, I was like, what, in like fourth or fifth grade? So I like didn't, I don't even think I knew what the World Trade Center was. I didn't know exactly what was happening. And it's like that kind of thing where you see as a kid, like, you don't know how to process it because it's never happened before and it's not you don't really understand like the scope of of what it is um but i do remember then like the entire day afterwards it was like pretty it was a very different environment because i think even for um even though we lived in california i think there were a few a few kids in the class where they had like parents in new york doing business and stuff like that so it was like a very serious situation because like some of them were called out because they didn't know what had happened and they had to be taken home by the, their other parents. I don't remember having that experience, like seeing anyone picked on. 
And I feel like it didn't necessarily change my own perspective on making friends with people. So I, from that perspective, Angela, I agree with you. Like I, from my standpoint, I'm like, it's, it wasn't a thing for me to select people or not. And I also think it's largely because we did live in a bubble. So there were a lot of Asian people, a lot of people who just outwardly looked brown. And so it, what, they weren't like rare or like uh, people that you don't normally see every day. So I was in second grade, so I was a little younger at the time, and it was the evening in Dubai when it happened. And it's it's not like a clear, you know, everyone says it's like a flashbulb memory for them in the States. They remember exactly where they were. And I, for me, it's more just a series of like small memories woven together because I really didn't understand the impact of what was going on. But I know that like the American embassy sent out messages to all the Americans there, um, and I know some Americans left Dubai soon after that, like weeks after that, they decided that they would move back to the United States or somewhere else. Um, but in terms of things before and things after, afterwards, I do know there was definitely increased security because every summer we would go back to Wisconsin um, and it just became a lot more complicated. And my dad's name is Mohammed, so he always is questioned at the airport. and. Where, where it gets dicey to dissect is similar to how I like draw comparisons to being a woman. Like sometimes you're wondering, am I being treated like this because I'm a woman or just because this is what's happening right now? Like that happens a lot to me in, an air, in the airports as an Arab with the last name that I have is like, am I getting randomly checked because I'm an Arab or is it just a random check? And so you, you find yourself um, balancing that a lot. Living in in the United States, once I moved into in 2011, I definitely had people make comments to me and it was the first time I'd ever been in a, a community where anyone had ever made negative comments about being an Arab or, you know, someone like wrote outside my dorm room, like on the whiteboard, dirty Arab. And like, I had what? people, oh yeah, yeah. And like, but the other thing is like, I'm quite white passing. So when people don't know I'm Arab, I've also had people like make super, Islamophobic, like rude comments in front of me without realizing where I'm from. And then it's just this like internal thing where I'm like, do I want to engage in this conversation or do I just bite my tongue because it's so much more emotional for me than it is for them? And um, why even get into that? Any negative experiences I've had being an Arab have been while I've been in the United States because growing up in Dubai, most of my friends were Arab too. So it was very much so a shared experience and those who weren't Arab were very embedded in the culture in Dubai and and were friends with a lot of Arabs so when you have like all these interwoven communities who really know each other and know what we value and stand for like it's not going to change your interactions with each other and it, and it really didn't um, being in a Muslim country it only was you know when you take the plane over here wow um, so I too was in sixth grade, uh, during nine 11 and I grew up in a suburb outside of Portland and it's probably one of the least diverse places in the country that I've ever been. It's very much Caucasian American and re- some good people there, but it's just not very diverse before nine 11. I, I was, I would say most people just thought I was a kid with a unique name and a different culture, um, didn't think much of it. Once 9-11 came and hit, I remember the day it happened. 
uh, it was before school. I was waking up before going to school with my mom and Keita, which is grandma in Arabic, who was staying the night at my house. Uh, watched the news. We we're all just in shock. Like, what the hell is happening? Uh, my mom was crying. Um, I can't remember if they canceled school or not, but I know I went to school eventually the day or two after. Um, and yeah, after it happened, I would say it was, there's definitely a before and after I was picked on, uh, definitely dealt with a lot of bullying people, friends, people who are still my friends today had times where they did that. Um, people thought it was socially acceptable to call you a terrorist, a towel head. Uh, someone even recently called me a camel jockey. I mean, it doesn't go away. Um, and you know, some people do it out of racism. Some people do it because it's, it's something they can get away with and try to get some laughs, which is also racist in a way. Um, but it was prevalent. Um, I had teachers, coaches, uh, people in just every, every facet, other people's parents making comments. It wasn't uh, just the kids. It was they were learning that this was okay. Um, and so that, that part sucked. Like one little story was I, I played football in high school. And high school was very far after sixth grade, but it was still a thing. Um, and I, there was one other guy on the team from the Middle East. And he's not even Muslim. But we were in the locker room for a minute. We had to like go back down and come back up before the game. And one of the coaches said, gosh, where have you guys been? Someone said you guys were praying in the showers before the game on like rugs to Mecca. And I'm like, what? The and I, I know they were just saying that to get under our skin, but it was, it's just like stuff like that came up a lot from that experience. I definitely learned to have pretty thick skin. Um, and like I said, even today, people will still poke and prod at it. I still think it's kind of socially accepted in a lot of circles in America right now to make fun of people from the Middle East, not be like super pointed and hateful with racism, but um, making fun of a Middle Eastern person and calling them terrorist or towelhead. Uh, some people still laugh at that, which sucks, but uh, it, it's a reality. Um, and then, yeah, just travel in general airports. I've been stopped a number of times just based on racial profiling. Um, they've even said it. I mean, one time I was coming back from Brazil to America. I was on a trip there. It was in 2017, 2018, uh, not that long ago. And I'm in the airport in Rio de Janeiro and uh, we're boarding and I get pulled off of the, I'm at the gate and as I'm walking through the tunnel to the plane, someone comes and chases me down pulls me and takes me into a back room, looked around in the back room and I asked everyone their names. One guy's name is Muhammad. One guy's Adnan. One guy's name is, you know, all Middle Eastern names <laughs> and, and Ziad. And uh, yeah, we just all got randomly searched and they dumped all our bags on the table and messed our stuff. It's just an inconvenience, but uh, that's not the only time that's happened. Um, in Portland, I've been probably randomly searched every time I go through an airport and then Lastly, when I was coming back from Lebanon in 2019 with my now wife, um, we were going through uh, Frankfurt, Germany, and in the airport in Germany, everyone had boarded except us. We were the only people, I think, coming through from the Middle East through Germany to go to Portland. And 
we they had to hold the plane on the runway. We almost missed the flight because of how much extra random searching we were going through. So, I mean, all of that plus the bullying and stuff like that. I mean, you get used to it for sure, but um, that doesn't mean it's okay. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's messed up that you even have to get used to it. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. that shouldn't have to be you that's adapting to that being a reality. Right. Would you say based off of your experience that the way that people are outwardly treating you is was something that was that intention was there before this event happened and the event and all of the communications and news afterwards just gave people permission to express that. Or was it like something that came from the actual event and the media hullabaloo afterwards? I think a lot of people initially did it and stopped in in general. But the people who have done that and continue to do it have had that in them from the beginning in general. And this was just an excuse to pick on someone for some reason about something. Yeah. No, I, I asked that question because I think when a lot of the anti-Asian hate around COVID started, I think a lot of people were like, oh my God, why are people so crazy? Like they're acting so ridiculous right now. And the truth is that like, mm. it was already there. People just were, yeah. they didn't have the permission to say those things. And this was the perfect excuse for them to just let it all out and have it be semi-socially acceptable. I think that one's different uh, in the sense that uh, there is a large Asian population here in the United States and there it there definitely that did does exist and did exist prior to COVID for certain people. Um, and I'm sure to some extent, but I think it's a lesser extent, the anti Middle Eastern Islam Arab thing, because there just weren't that many and people weren't like, especially where I was from, they weren't even really aware of what it was until 9-11. I think, yeah, 9-11 really brought things to light, but racist dis depictions and like dehumanization of Arabs in general has been around for a long time. True, like, very true. Watch, watch an old Indiana Jones movie, look at an mm. old Tintin comic book, and like you will see portrayals of, I mean, even Aladdin, the Disney movie, it's like, true. like keep people like cutting off limbs like for as, as punishment or whatever. So, you know, that has, that is something that it has largely existed and was but it was like you said just kind of running under the radar and when there's a reason to like really root it up and make it the popular consensus like it was it was um, ripe to be it was ripe to be like that but yeah those depictions have existed hey everyone we love doing this podcast and if you enjoy our episodes we would really appreciate if you could support us in any number of ways First is by subscribing to us, rating us, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Second is by telling a friend. Third is following us on Instagram at wherearyoufrompod. Fourth is supporting us on Buy Me a Coffee. You can find out more about all of these by visiting our Instagram's link in bio. And again, our handle is at wherearyoufrompod. Thank you. So knowing how diverse the term Arab and the Arab community is, do you feel an affinity to other Arab people, even if they're not from like the same part of that region that your family is from? When somebody tells me they're from the Middle East and they're not from like Lebanon or that area uh, or neighboring countries, I honestly 
it's a mixed answer. Like I don't look at someone from the, the UAE, like originally as being that similar to someone like me, at least from a racial and cultural perspective. Other, the only thing we're really connected by is the, the language and the re- predominant religion. Um, but at the same time, there's always that kind of connection like, oh, you're from this area and you're Arab. Like, let's talk about things like that. And I love that kind of interaction. I do that every time. I'm, like, I get in an Uber and someone's from the Middle East and we'll have an exchange. Or I go to, like, a counter, an airport counter, and someone will be like, Ziad, your name's Ziad. Where are you from? But they're actually, they'll say, where, where mm-hmm. are you from? They'll say the same thing. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, I'll tell them. But I, I'll answer that one more directly because I know what they're getting at. And I'll ask yeah. them the same thing. So, it's a big, big question because like, then you have to ask yourself, like, what is Arab? Like, what does that mean? Cause you could be from North Africa or you could be from Yemen or you could be from Palestine or any of these places and you're Arab, but they're all pretty different too at the same time. I do feel a kinship, a genuine kinship, even when the cultures are very different. It's honestly, especially when the cultures are different sometimes because it makes me curious and I want to learn like, oh, what's like Moroccan Arabic sounds so crazy to me, but in a really <laughs> cool way, like it's like completely different. And I love hearing the language, hearing how their words are different, like learning about what their experiences were like growing up. Um, because when you do have those overlaps, it's very interesting to know like, wow, that it's amazing how that traveled across so far. But also we have all these things that are different. An example that I can think of is I was in a a train station in Paris and I was totally lost. I couldn't figure out how to get to the train to the airport and my French is terrible. So I went up to this random person and I was like, like, do you speak English in French? And they were like, no. And then they started trying to help me get to the train station, I mean, to the right platform. And somehow in this exchange, he asked me where I was from and I said, I'm Palestinian. And then he said he was um, Egyptian. And then in Arabic, I, I was like, oh, do you speak Arabic? And he was like, yeah. And so then we just switched into <laughs> Arabic and it was like, we were joking around. He showed me, he walked me to the platform and like we had this immediate connection. And it was, it was really like, he was so excited and I was so excited to have like found another one of us somewhere else, you know? So I do get, I do get like a, a feeling of connection to, to those groups. So should we transition over to our ending segment called fortune cookie because we always like to end on a sweet treat (laughs) no specific time frame but like in the general near future do we feel like the fact that we are now in a move in a moment in time in society where we're having a lot of conversations frankly like a lot more conversations than we've had before about race and people of diverse backgrounds and accepting and celebrating people of different backgrounds do we feel like that hopefully in the future will will have a more positive effect on all people who have a non just like white (laughs) background to them i i can start that i i'm hopeful i won't put a time frame to it because I can't I don't think I can say like in five years you know we'll all be like kumbaya or whatever but I I think we've never had a moment like this where it's like going deep on reflecting 
the number of cultures and the the impact of like just acknowledging that we all exist and like that it's okay to be different and all that stuff i think in the next x number of years hopefully while we're still alive <laughs> we'll see the kind of like positive benefits um of that i want to pile on to that and kind of add some additional information from my perspective as well which is that like i agree that this is kind of a flashpoint because it's like made everyone confront the fact that everybody is a little bit racist. Like that's the honest truth. Like everybody has some reaction based off of how a person looks because of their skin color. And where I see the difference is that in this movement, I see a lot more of the majority doing navel gazing, meaning like the white community is doing their own reflection. And I feel like previously it was almost like the onus was on the minority community. Like you would go around and you would have to explain to people like, this isn't what you think it is. Like, and somehow I, I feel a little bit that that's moved on to the majority community, which I think is, is a good thing to see because people are starting to recognize that their behaviors have some kind of impact. The most relevant thing for me has actually been just in the last few months as a Palestinian, uh, it was so shocking to me to see like this shift in in social media of people suddenly supporting Palestine and um, people reaching out to me saying, I remembered you're Palestinian. Are you OK? I, I mean, it, it's amazing that suddenly people are saying things and people are speaking out. But, um, you know, for me, this has been a lifelong like torture is like the whole word that comes to mind is it's like a knife in your heart every time something happens in Palestine and um to suddenly have everyone like notice um I felt like my initial reaction should have been joy but it was like yeah it's um yeah it's horrible um yeah it's a really terrible situation but once I was able to kind of like move on from my being very cynical and like upset about that. Um, you know, I think it does point to a, a shift in the way that people are getting their information, you know, like because mainstream media is no longer like the only source of information that means, you know, for sometimes it's not always great, but for better or worse, people are making their own news and they're deciding yeah. what they want to push to the front of the internet. Um, and I think for Arabs, that's, I, I, I think it's a positive thing in some ways. There's a lot of ways that it's bad as well. So I'm a little hesitant to say that, but I mean, this most recent thing with Palestine makes me in a very long-term kind of way feel maybe more hopeful, but I, unfortunately, I feel like a little pessimistic. I'm not sure why still. Yeah. Um, that's a really good point about the response to the most recent conflict in Israel and Palestine, the support that you could see all through social media was very different than it ever has been, which was definitely a unique sign of the times. Building upon that, uh, I think what you've also started to see is like with the Stop Asian Hate stuff and the Support Palestine and the BLM, uh, proponents of all of these different causes are supporting one another too. And you're starting to see like this podcast here, we're trying to relate our experience to the Asian experience and we're coming together and thinking about how this type of thoughts and behavior goes away. I think this is the first time I've noticed a concerted effort across the board 
of kind of, you know, different diverse groups of people kind of saying, this isn't okay to do that to them. This isn't okay to do that to me. This isn't okay to do that to anyone. And a lot of white people are doing the same thing. And I think I do see some hope there that social media awareness, um, people coming together and all of that really helping uh, get these messages across. Like you see a ton of support and pro sports for the stop Asian hate. Uh, you've seen that on their jerseys or their clothing or attire, kind of when they're coming in the arenas, uh, you see commercials, you see big companies like Nike and others promoting uh, that message. So I think all of that's positive. And at the same time, I think there is a certain group of people that still exist who are not going to change their minds anytime soon. And I think that's a reality that you kind of have to accept and hopefully over time, and I, I will never give a time limit on it either, hopefully over time, <laughs> that kind of stuff just becomes super minority. Like very few people are like that. And I just don't know how long that's going to take. Well, let's keep our rose colored glasses on for that <laughs> yes. X, X date in the future when all this happens. Yes. Well, thank you both so much for joining us. I think we learned a lot as we always hope to do when we have guests on. So appreciate you providing your perspectives um, that only you can. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was really wonderful talking with you too. Likewise. All right. Well, listeners, if you have any questions or a story of your own to tell regarding this particular topic, please write us in. You can DM us on Instagram or you can email us at tellusswhereyou'refrom at gmail.com. The your is Y-O-U-R-E. And as always, come back next week. It's actually, don't come back next week because this is actually our last episode of this season. (laughs) Come back in a few weeks. We'll announce when when we come back. But as always, Jesse and I need a little break to (laughs) recharge before the next season so that we can bring you more awesome content later. Um, But do listen back to all of our other episodes and tell us some friends. And until next season, Zai Jen, bitches. bitches.